0: So I was a Christmas at my grandparents' house and everybody other than my grandparents were miserable because of the temperature of their basement. And they had a fire going, and they had the heat blaring. And at one point, my dad went over and looked at the thermostat, and it was 82 degrees, at which point my grandfather said, I better throw another log on the fire. And we said, no, please stop throwing logs on the fire. We're all all hot. But my grandpa couldn't hear, or at least he acted like he couldn't hear, because in went another log. And I'm sweating profusely in their basement, and I had a hoodie on, and I, I take their hoodie off, and I'm just I'm miserable, and it's hot, but it's Christmas, so you can't really peace out right away uh, just, just because it's Christmas, because then it looks like you just wanted the gifts, and you don't care about them, and you're stuck, and we hadn't yet eaten Christmas meal, which Christmas and Easter was always ham at my grandparents' house, and Jesus was Jewish, so that never made sense to me. Why, we're celebrating the birth and resurrection of Jesus with something Jesus would have never eaten. Why should I have to eat it? It doesn't make sense, but we're sitting there, and we're sweating profusely, and then we have to go eat ham, and I was really hot, and then it was time to leave, and I just, I grabbed, I grabbed my hoodie, I grabbed my coat, I didn't even put it on and they said it's really cold outside you better bundle up and i said trust me i'm going to be fine and i walked outside and it felt so incredible to be in temperatures that were below freezing after what i had just been i'd been in a sauna for hours and just to walk outside into that and and it felt it felt like the the, the sweat on my arms was was freezing and turning into ice and that felt great and I, it, was, it felt so good, I got in my car, and I fired it up, and I was driving home, and about three minutes into the drive, all of a sudden, that feeling that was so great started to be a little chilly, because the car hadn't heated up yet, and it had been sitting outside, and the heat wasn't working, it was just still blowing cold air, and at one point, I wanted to, I wanted to take everything off, just to be comfortable. And at this point, I just wanted to throw things back on. So I'm reaching for my coat, and I'm trying to put it on while I drive. And I should have just pulled over, but I didn't. And I've got one arm in, and then I get another arm in. And I just couldn't find that balance. It wasn't enough just to take something off. It wasn't enough just to put something on. And this morning, what we're going to be talking about is sometimes in our in our journeys of following Jesus. Sometimes we feel like following Jesus is all about... Just this set of things... That we can't do. And if, if you grew up in a legalistic environment or, or a church background where Christianity was all defined by things you abstain from and all the things that you don't do, you know what I'm talking about. And there may be wounds that are fresh in your life to this day as a result of that environment and as a result of that upbringing that, that all of the focus and all the tendency on what it means to follow Jesus is we abstain from this and we don't do this. And what we're going to talk about today is with following Jesus, that's that's a piece of the picture. Abstaining from some things is, is a part of the picture, but it was never meant to be the full picture. And with the same with the same urgency and the same tendency that we need to analyze Scripture and see those things in our lives that we need to take off. We need to analyze Scripture and see the things in our lives that we need to put on, and that's what we're going to be doing today. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. If you have a traditional Bible with you, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Ephesians again this week, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, so we're going to pick up in verse 17. If you are streaming, thanks for sticking with us. We're glad to have you back. Not sure which one it is, but, but thank you. The verse will be available on the screen below in just a minute. This morning, we're continuing our series of brand new, and what we've seen is that we are new creations as a result of following Jesus, that Jesus is invested and engaged in our lives, that he is a mediator for us, that all of this happens because of grace that we still need to live our lives in a way that honors God, not to earn our salvation, but in appreciation for our salvation, that God is for us, that God loves us and he is for us, and that we have an incredible privilege and responsibility an obligation and opportunity to use our gifts, to use our talents, to use our abilities, to use our lives, to help, to help ourselves grow closer to Jesus and help other people grow closer to Jesus in the process as well that's where we've been and today we're going to talk about the things that we put off and the things that we put on and what all of this means building off the foundation that we started last week where we left off in ephesians 4 16 where we saw this that the church the followers of jesus what happens when we all do these things when we use our gifts and our talents and abilities to serve god and serve one another Everyone is built up. We're built up ourselves, and other people are built up in the process, and we're all built up in love, and that's what we're aiming for here at Lakeside. That's what we want to be all about, and now we launch into Ephesians 4, verse 17, where we read these words. Now, this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, And the futility of their minds. Now, now I love this because the Apostle Paul is writing this under the guise of the Holy Spirit, and he says, "I say this, I testify in the Lord." He says, "This is a disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer. Like I'm writing this, but this is from God, which means what we're about to hear is offensive." Because otherwise you don't don't have to operate this disclaimer. This means we're about to step on some toes. It's about to get good. For those of you who love drama, it's about to get dramatic. So you can buckle in and enjoy the journey. Because there's going to be some tension here. And he says, you must no longer walk, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. You must no longer walk. And the futility of your mind no longer live like your people do be set apart be different and don't be offended that I'm saying you're a feudal mind it's not me saying this it's God saying this okay feudal minded maybe not the best way to start the conversation if you're you know but but don't worry we go on from there they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Like if you thought feudal mind was rough, let's listen to this list again. Darkened in their understanding, like you're, a, you're just, your mind is warped alienated from the life of God. God wants nothing to do with you. And why does God want nothing to do with you? Because you're ignorant. Ignorant. Why? Because you're hard-hearted. You're hard-hearted. And you're callous. And you've given yourself up to every kind of sensuality. You're greedy. You're greedy in everything that you do. And there's nothing about your life that has a redeeming quality. Every aspect of your life is impure. That's what... That's the list that we're given here, Darkened in their all darkened in their understanding. Well, I'm fascinated by this, because nobody sets out in their understanding to be less enlightened. In fact, we're told that understanding leads to enlightenment, but what we see here is that not all enlightenment, not all understanding leads to enlightenment after all. And in their enlightenment, in their wisdom and their idea that I'm tapped in, what actually has happened is they become more alienated from the life of God. Their pursuit of enlightenment has led them and maybe all those around them to applaud them and tell them how how wise they are, how knowledgeable they are, how intellectually superior they are. But here we're told what the end result has been is they have alienated themselves from the life of God. And what's even worse is they're ignorant to this fact. It's not that they set out to be further away from God. It's not that they set out with the the sole purpose and principle of, how can I get myself further away from God? This isn't at the forefront of their mind. This isn't at the forefront of their focus. But it's a byproduct of the result of them pursuing their own enlightenment. And in the process, they have moved themselves further and further away from God. And what's happened is they've grown callous. Now calluses form when mild but repeated injury uh, happens to the epidermis. It it causes the cells of the epidermis, that's the outermost layer of the skin, to become increasingly active, resulting in a hardened, thickened pad of dead skin cells on the surface layer of the skin, sometimes on your feet, uh, places like that. This is what's going on, not just in their feet, this is what's going on in their heart. A subtle, recurring friction that you oftentimes don't even feel when it's happening, but it's injuring you, and it's building up this process that is going on in their hearts. And the end result, the end result sensuality, it's greed, and it's impurity. Everything that they pursue. But this is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, your life, your life looks really wrong. Your life looks really wrong. The picture of your life looks wrong right now. It doesn't look like it should. I don't know if you saw the, the articles this week. But I was fascinated by this, because there was an art exhibit in a gallery, and all of a sudden, they discovered one day that one of the masterpieces in the gallery didn't look the way it should. Do you see this in the news? It's fascinating. There was a security guard. This is a true story. There was a security guard who got bored at an art exhibit, and there was a painting of some faces, but they didn't have eyes on them. And so he took a ballpoint pen, and he drew eyes on the painting that had no eyes. These paintings were valued, at; they were insured for a million dollars. And a board, by the way, he wasn't 16. I think this is my favorite part of the story, right? Because if he's 16, we're like, yeah, that's, I mean, who amongst us wouldn't have done something dumb at 16? He was 60, which gives me hope. That gives me hope, right? Like, yes, I have 21 more years of shenanigans. This is fantastic. And now when Brooke looks at me and says, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, I can say, but, but, at least I wasn't a security guard with a ballpoint pen drawing eyes on these these paintings that were insured for a million dollars. And it was discovered because something looked wrong on the painting. What the Apostle Paul says here is the picture of your life. There's something that's wrong. And here's the problem with calluses. Is when calluses happen, they oftentimes don't hurt all that much. And what happens is little by little by little, we start to get into practices. That can impact us and impact the people around us oftentimes in life it's it's not as sudden and it's not as noticeable as a 60 year old board security guard taking the ballpoint pen and drawing on masterpieces i mean sometimes we make those just mind-boggling huge mistakes that instantaneously are noticeable to Everybody, But much more frequently and much more damaging are the patterns that we develop and the friction that happens under the surface. Where we know something's wrong, we know something's out of balance, we know something isn't as it should be, but we just can't put our finger on it. And this isn't exclusive to people that don't follow Jesus. Because the Apostle Paul, he's even a little sarcastic here. When he says, this is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you've even heard about him. So we can't, as people who follow Jesus, just say, well, this is a problem. that people that haven't made the decision to follow Jesus deal with. No, the picture that we're given here is that even as people who follow Jesus... These underlying friction points can be happening that are very subtle in our lives, but in that quest and in that desire where we realize something's missing, something's not as it should be, when we have those, those pieces of, of pain or those pieces of friction in our lives, what then happens is we just try to find another outlet. Sometimes it's sensuality and sometimes it's greed and sometimes it's just our lives look like a complete wreck because there's something that's wrong and there's an underlying problem, but we just don't know how to solve it. And so the first step we have to take is just to stop and analyze ourselves. And the hope that we have is, yes, this is not this is not the way that we learned in Christ. And the hope that we have is we're still in Christ, so it's not too late for us. But I wonder, what are the friction points in our life? And what are the outlets? Because we know something's out of balance. Because we know that there's pain. Now we get to the solution side. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, take off the old you. Take off the old you. Some of you are following Jesus and you're still wearing yesterday's clothes. And if you're like, well, what's wrong with that? I didn't really sweat. No, you stink. All right, change your clothes. Like That's what, like that's what he's saying. Take off your old self. Change your clothes. Change your clothes. Which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires But it's not just enough to spend all of our time and all of our energy and all of our focus on taking things off. Because all that does is it gives us a list of rules. And when we have that list of rules of, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, what that list of rules produces is it produces callousness. It produces a hardness of heart. And it pushes us further away from God and further away from other people. And that's why this is a tool that the enemy utilizes Because the enemy wants to come and he he wants to make us lose all of our joy and all of our excitement and all of the passion that we have for following Jesus. And so he wants wants to present us a lie that following Jesus is not fun at all. And following Jesus is just something where you have to be miserable and make everybody else around you miserable in the process. Yeah, there are things that we need to take off. But there are also things that we need to put on. That we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That we are to put on the new self, which is a better self. Because this self is created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is the self as we were originally created and designed by God to be. This is the self where we reach our full potential. This is the self where we reach that relationship. With our Creator. And so the challenge is, it's just just time for us to do some laundry. It's time to take off yesterday's clothes. It's time to throw them in the wash. It's time to dry them. And then we put something better on. That's what God wants. It's not enough just to take things off. And it's also not enough just to throw new layers on without dealing with the old layers. You can throw some new layers on, but if you still have the stank of yesterday's clothes on you, you're just going to have that seep into the new clothes as well. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. And now we're going to get in some really practical steps, some really practical steps of how we take the old self off and how we put the new self on. And what's the first step that we're told? Be honest. Be honest. Put away lying and speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. What What is this? We see honesty and community right off the bat. You want to get rid of the old self? You want to put on the new self? Be honest. Acknowledge that there's a problem. Analyze your life. See what's going on in your life. And don't try to do it alone. Value other people. Value the need for others. Be invested and engaged and have other people invested and engaged in your life. Honesty and community right off the bat. You want to take off the old self, put on the new self? Be honest with where you are and you can't go alone. Honesty and community right off the bat we go forward from there. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You're going to live. You're going to be honest. You're going to live in community. You're going to be angry because people are going to annoy you. It's just, it's sorry. You're annoying. I don't know how else to tell you. I love you, but you're annoying. I'm annoying too. All right? You already know that. It's cool. It's cool. But we all... We all have those parts of ourselves that get on people's nerves, that that are annoying. There's those people that we don't don't mesh with as well as as other people, and that's okay. You don't have to be everybody's best friend. You have to love everybody, but you don't have to be everybody's best friend, and that's all right. But it's it's no coincidence that on the heels of honesty and community are we told, hey, don't don't sin in your anger. Don't sin in your anger. And, and some of you have grown up in an environment where you think any, any anger is wrong. And what we see here is it's not. That there is a biblical and there is a righteous way that we can deal with our anger. Now, anger is an intense emotion. And oftentimes what comes into the equation when anger is introduced is not righteous and not holy. And so it's, it's dangerous, but it's something just like fire, that if you keep it contained, it can be a wonderful tool. So we're not told never be angry, but what we're told is in our anger, do not sin. Operate with restrictions and, and keep it contained. And how do we do that? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, if you've ever started a fight with your spouse during a sunset, You know, oh boy, because there are some nights where it's just better to go to sleep. There are some times it's just better to have a snack and take a nap. And if you try to solve something before you eat the snack or take a nap, it's not going to work. The principle here is not some legalistic, ah, as soon as the clock strikes midnight, if we're still angry or frustrated with somebody, we've moved to sin. The principle here is deal with it. Deal with it in the moment. Deal with it at the time. But sometimes the best way to deal with it is to say, all right, I'm not at my best right now. And I need some time. And that's perfectly okay. Okay. But you don't bury it, and you don't then not revisit it. Yes, you revisit it, and you revisit it as soon as possible. But have a plan. Have a plan. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because if you allow anger to fester, you give the devil an opportunity. You give the devil an opportunity. What is the devil? The devil is the father of lies. And what are the opportunities that he uses in anger? He lies and he tells you everything bad about the situation or the person that he could possibly tell you about the situation or the person. That's what he tells you. And you allow it to you allow yourself to believe it. You allow that to grow and you allow the narrative of your mind to be vastly different than the narrative of reality. And rather than to see the best in each other, or the people that you're mad at, you start to assume the worst. And he says this is a way of living of the old self, where you're always thinking the worst in everybody, where you're always assuming the worst in them. This isn't part of following Jesus. This isn't part of the new self. Part of the new self is dealing with anger and dealing with it in a constructive manner. But also there's an element here that we need to move beyond it and we need to get over it. And there needs to be forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation and all those things that we don't have time to jump in and talk about how all those things are different and how all those things happen in relationships and how there doesn't always have to be reconciliation with forgiveness and, and all that. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Don't steal. Not only don't steal, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Laziness is a, is a form of our old life. Now, again, some of you come from environments where any rest is, is viewed as laziness, and that's not accurate either. God establishes a Sabbath for a reason that rest is an active part of our worship and our following God. But, but sometimes the equation is we just, need to, we just need to live our lives, and we need to actually be productive people. What we're told here is don't steal, don't be lazy, feel God's pleasure in production. And what happens when when you live this way? What happens when you feel God's pleasure in the things that you produce and how you live your life? It enables us to be generous. It, It enables us to experience generous living. That we can bless other people. And we can feel the joy that comes when we give. That that should be an active part of our lives. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Watch your words. Watch your words. So what, what historically has been true, people that follow Jesus, is we say, oh, make sure, that you, make sure that you don't cuss. But the context here is talking much more about the fact that make sure that we're encouraging. Make sure we build people up. Make sure that we're enhancing the lives and experiences of other people by the words that we speak. Make sure that, that when we utilize our words, they're, they're for the benefit of others. Build up. Don't tear down. And follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit within you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. There are things we need to take off. But there are things we need to put on. And it's that balance. And these are the community standards That Paul has has told the church in Ephesus, you live your life by these things. This is how God wants you to live your life. So live your life according to these principles. And and here's the reality. It starts with me. It starts with you. We can point all day long to people in, in the community. We can point all day long to people in our family. We can point all day long to people that we know. In areas that they measure up. In areas that they don't it's never about that it's about us taking the time to look in the mirror and say what about my life is that friction point your conduct is incredibly important but it's possible to fix your conduct without fixing your heart And my hope and my goal for us today as we continue to explore following Jesus is for us not just to look at the outward expressions, but for us to analyze our inward reality. It was one of the first dates I ever went on. And one of the worst. I was nervous. She was not. We went ice skating, and as we were ice skating, I started to feel a pain in my feet, and my right foot just hurt really bad, but we were holding hands on the ice, and I thought she was really cute, and I wasn't about to go sit down just because I had a little pain on my foot. And so we kept skating, and apparently she loved to skate, because we skated for two hours. And I don't know if it was because of the ice, I don't know what, but we were able to hold hands for two hours and not have that weird sweaty factor that goes on when you've interlocked fingers for a really long time, like none of that was there. And my foot was just on fire. She said, all right. I think we should, I think we should be done soon. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. So we talked about where we were gonna go eat. And then we sat down to take our skates off. And all of a sudden my sock felt wet, and I'm like, oh no. I got a sweaty foot. I really hope it doesn't smell but who knows whose foot's been in the skate before mine. And I undid the laces on the skate. And my sock just felt even more wet. And as I pulled my foot out of the skate, she shrieked. Not because it smelled from sweat, but because it was red. My foot was bleeding. felt it immediately. I could tell something was wrong, but I didn't know just how much damage I was doing. A couple of years ago, I got a new pair of shoes. The old pair of shoes I really liked, but it was time for, for them to go. They were, they were starting to break down a little bit. I wasn't ready to, to get rid of them, but I'd got this new pair of shoes, so I decided I'm going to use the new pair of shoes for workout shoes. And so I put them on. And I'd spend a lot of time on the treadmill in these new shoes, and they were a little uncomfortable, but I was breaking them in. A few weeks into it, I discovered that I had calluses as a result of breaking in these shoes. When I went ice skating, when I had the bloody sock, that hurt really bad. But a week later, my foot was fine. When I had calluses, those things are like impossible to get rid of. See, sometimes the major things in our lives, those things that hurt us to our core and are noticeable the instant they happen, yeah, they leave a mess. But sometimes it's easier to recover from those than the subtle friction points that we've just learned to put up with. Never realizing that while we can't feel it as intensely the damage that it's causing it's going to take that much longer to recover from. And the question we have to ask ourselves what are the friction points? And what are we using to try to compensate? Because the life of following Jesus is about us realizing that there is an old self. But there's a greater self available to us. And there are things that we have to put off. But there are also things that we have to put on. And it's not because God wants to restrict our joy. It's not because God wants to take all of our fun out of our lives. It's because God wants us to experience the most rewarding, dynamic life possible. And The question is, are we up for it? And will we do it? And that answer will not be arrived at in an instant. It won't be arrived at at a quick yes. It will be arrived at day after day after day. Of us seeing the things in our lives that need to change. Of us being honest about it. Of us living in community of us not sinning when we're angry, about us having a plan to deal with these things, about us building one another up and encouraging each other. That's the life that God has for us. And we need to be honest about what's standing in our way. And then we need to invite God into those areas, Surrender the way that we want to do it for the way He's called us to do it. And then put on the new self and experience all the blessings that come with it. God, help us realize that following you isn't about just taking things off the table and a set of rules and regulations and restrictions. God, it's about you changing us. It's about you making us better, being who you've designed and created and called us to be. And God, that starts with us being honest about where we are and who we are and what's true in our lives. So God, I I just pray that we would invite you into that process. That there would be honest reflection. God, that we wouldn't beat ourselves up, that we wouldn't be too hard on ourselves. But also, God, that we would be honest. And, And God, that we know that that you want to change us. And, And Lord, that we would not only look at the things that we need to put off, but with the same focus and energy, we'd look at the things that we need to put on. We would do that. God, make us into the people that you want us to be. That we would follow you, and we would feel the joy that comes from a relationship with you, Jesus. That we wouldn't believe the lies of the enemy or the critics or the cynics. God, that you would bless us in a real and tangible way. Help us as we follow you, Jesus. Help us be the picture of love and the picture of hope. That we would be people who feel your pleasure when we pursue the passions that you've given us. That an outpouring of that would be in our generosity. And even now, God, as we have a chance to give back a portion of that which you've entrusted to us, let this be true in our lives. That our hearts are full of gratitude and we respond with generosity, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And it is in your name that we do pray. Amen.